welcome to another episode of the Listen In Podcast. This is Sean. I'm here with my co-host Jake, and we are on episode 11 now, Jake. Well into the double digits. Well, we're hitting that like you're almost a preteen. You're starting to not be yep. a kid anymore. Right. You're you're starting to like want to hang out with your friends a little bit more. Uh, if you're me, you got to wait until you have friends, which is like. 17, 18. <laughs> I had like two friends for all of most of my that's, youth. That's really, really sad, Jake. Oh, it's all right. Um, but anyways, we're not here to talk about Jake's struggles with friendship in middle school. My lack of friends. Uh, we are here to talk some music today. Um, so basically, last week we talked Kanye West. We talked the life of Pablo. We talked Kanye West at length. For a solid hour and a half. Yeah, 91 minutes of Kanye. You know what, though? It ended up being our most listened to episode. Yeah. So we wanted to give a big shout to everybody who listened. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you came back again for another episode. Um, so before we get into some news this week, I just wanted to uh, do a, a few quick plugs. We have our, our Twitter account. It's at level4 underscore media. We'll share all of our new podcast blog posts. Hot takes on there. We've been we've been light on the hot takes. We have so been far. light on the hot takes. We gotta get better at that. Well, see, I don't know like what is necessarily <clears throat> company Twitter appropriate. Not that this is a company. <laughs> we can do. We should really kick it up a notch okay. on there. Yeah. Um, Make this. Let this be a promise to you, listeners. Hot the, takes the, are coming. The Twitter game is gonna be stepped up. Hot takes are coming. We also are available to subscribe to on iTunes. Go to the Listen In Podcast. Subscribe to us there. If you feel so inclined, please, please leave us a positive review. That'd be really, really helpful for us. We would appreciate it. We've got a few already. We've got a couple on there. So. And friend of the pod, Kerry, left us a review, which I'm very oh, thankful for. Oh, big friend of the pod. Big Thanks, friend of the Kerry. pod. And uh, he left a very nice review. And I I, uh, I thank you, Kerry, for your, your kind words. Thank you. What, um, a, what a formal way to say that. Very, very. I thank you, good sir. <laughs> Um, we also are available on Stitcher if you're not using iTunes. Um, and then we also have our Level 4 Media blog where we have a lot of good stuff on there, actually. The content's been starting to flow. We've been we pumping have out content. Almost once a day, we had a, uh, <clears throat> a major breakdown between Tidal and Spotify. Mm. Uh, nice 3,000-word summary between why you should choose. Well, actually, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to go read the blog at Level 4 Media. Find out if you should be listening to Spotify or That Tidal. was well done. That almost seemed planned. It almost it seemed didn't. Like, it was That was organic, cuff. yeah. <clears throat> off the cuff. I wrote an article last week, an article, a blog last week about... Chance the Rapper, we discussed him last week on our Kanye podcast about how he, we, and I remember we talked about this, Sean, about he was like the shining star of, yep. of the life of Pablo in our opinion, or in my opinion, and so I wrote a blog post about that, mm -hmm. so check that out as well. Um, and there's some, we've been pumping out some weekly regular stuff, some yep. reviews, we reviewed the new Pine Grove record on there, uh, Sean wrote something about... Um, for How to get into Animal Collective, yes, what, you. what you should be listening to. We got some good recommendations on there. Check out the blog, uh, Level 4 Media. The blog's a big friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. Um, so I think, Jake, that's actually the Kanye West comment about Chance the Rapper. That, that leads us into a little bit of news right now, actually, which... Life of Pablo, not going to be on the Billboard charts. So yeah. Tidal, um, the music streaming service that Life of Pablo is exclusively on, is not going to be sharing the streaming numbers with Billboard. <laughs> Uh, what what is your take on this? Is this is this a power Kanye move? Or? Yeah, I think this is just essentially another like power move by Kanye. Essentially, um, trying to in any way he can 
exact his will on the on the music listening populace. It's like, I, first of all, I don't really care about the Billboard charts. I don't but, but this is just a weird thing to me that like they won't. Why not share it? I don't understand. I, I like really, I don't understand it. So I think the reason might be, and this goes into our second piece of news, is that title subscribers have doubled mm-hmm. since the release of The Life of Pablo. I think what you might be finding here is that Title doesn't want people to be able to extrapolate how many people have signed up. And I think if you looked at those streaming numbers, you could say, well, maybe people listen on average like two or three times. Right. And you could say, okay, there were this many streams. Title might have this many subscribers. Companies are weird about like keeping their subscriber info like a secret. That seems fair. I mean, because the, so essentially the assumption they're making there, and it's probably a fair one, is that everyone <laughs> who has title oh, listens to the album. Absolutely, yeah. Do you think like what percentage of title users do you think listen to Life of Pablo? Probably eighty-five percent. Yeah, a really high percentage. Because like, I don't I, know though. That seems like well, okay, if you, a, a kind of a stretch though, because you can kind of surmise, but it's not like you're releasing their exact company figures. I don't know. To me, it seems like it's this weird. I, I don't know. They're really weird about not releasing yeah. that information. And I think the, the real interesting thing is that title subscribers have doubled. So you could assume that 50% of title subscribers only went there to get the new Kanye album. Right. Who they probably all listened to it. So that's why I say 85%. I yeah. Think that's, well, you know, and like not... me, I think a lot of people will probably be ending their subscription oh, after the 30-day period if they don't forget, which reminds me to set a reminder on my phone. <laughs> that's right. Because, like, and there's no spoilers here for Sean's title versus Oh, I kind, of just, I kind of just spoiled it well, when I said I wouldn't be well, renewing. Well, for me, uh, then Spotify has been the superior service. I, I it, it enjoyed title for reasons we're going to get to, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's just this, I don't really totally understand this move. I, like you said, maybe it's some sort of secrecy thing. It, but I think as a headline, Life of Pablo streams won't be shared. It, <laughs> it just builds the the uh, sort of storyline of Kanye as this insane, paranoid, <laughs> right. top of the mountain, just hoarding all his... <laughs> all his streams. Yeah, yeah, hoarding all his streams for no one to know about. Uh, he has reached... What I can only assume is the peak of insanity. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, well, that remains to be seen. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he pushed that peak a little bit higher. Who knows what he's going to do. Uh, but you mentioned one of the best things about having title yeah. and having that title um, free trial is the fact that Neil Young is on there, which yes. he is not available on any other streaming service. So no, no Spotify, no Apple Music, nothing from him. He happens to be on title. And both Jake and I have done a deep dive into yeah. Neil Young. Well, I'm, I myself had never listened to any Neil Young before, and I've had the opportunity to listen to Harvest, um, After the Gold Rush, Everyone Knows This Is Nowhere, On the Beach, and Russ Never Sleeps. Um, Jake, I know you've been you've been into him as well. I didn't listen to Russ Never Sleeps, so I was into Neil Young um, for kind of a while. I As a kid, I got into Buffalo Springfield. That's right. His original band. I'm an OG Neil Young fan. Uh, I liked Neil Young before he was cool, which is sort of a weird thing to say. But I, I was a big fan of Buffalo Springfield, who I'd recommend checking Let out. Let me interject. You should have started out with a For What It's Worth uh, reference. God. You should have been, Sean, For What It's Worth. Yeah. Pause. Yeah. I listen to Buffalo Springfield. For listeners, For What It's Worth is... Um, Buffalo Springfield's biggest hit. It's that song that goes, Stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look. It's, you've heard it a million times in like any movie about Vietnam, uh, the <laughs> Vietnam War. But anyways, I uh, 
had already listened to Harvest after the Gold Rush a couple times. Um, everybody knows this is nowhere. But I got into, over the past few days, Neil Young's albums On the Beach and um, Tonight's the Night. Uh, I listened a lot to On the Beach. It might be like one of my favorite, if not favorite, Neil Young albums. The last few tracks, um, Ambulance Blues, um, Motion Pictures, and I think On the Beach, the, mm -hmm. the titular track, um, are three of my favorite Neil Young songs, period. I think the, what he, like... The stuff he's doing with the chord progressions on those are—it's really interesting. It's nothing that you'd ever say like it's not like a jazz progression or anything truly crazy, but he resolves them to these sort of weird chords at the end of each progression. I think it's interesting, and what he's doing with melody and Neil Young's lyrics are always so interesting. Mm -hmm. He has these like sort of ethereal, art, artsy sort of—you could say Dylan-esque—but he was sort of a contemporary. Mm -hmm. He was definitely influenced, but I don't know. I—I've I, been really, really enjoying it, and I think on the beach is definitely one worth listening to. What would you suggest? Mm -hmm starting with it. I would start with either Harvest or yeah. Everyone Knows This Is Nowhere. I, I think those are the two most accessible. You know Old Man and... Um, You've uh, heard Cinnamon Girl from Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Yeah, probably that. But definitely um, Old oh, Man. Oh, and, and Heart of Gold. And Heart of Gold from, from Harvest. Harvest. You start with Harvest, probably. If yeah. you're looking to get into... So if, if you probably have like 20 days left on your... Or whatever's left on the, the title um, free trial... Give Neil Young a spin, and yeah. uh, if you like yeah. folk, if you like old school rock, uh, people call Neil Young the sort of godfather of grunge um, because of what he did early on messing with distortion and sort of cutting the the pretty side of rock out yep. and just low low like lo-fi production, um, really harsh, non-practiced sort of solos on there. Um, it's really interesting to listen to, and it's worth it for any like folk or rock fan. Yeah, it's cool stuff. I'm really happy I was finally able to get into them. Uh, that really has been the high point of title for me is the fact that I can listen to Neil Young. Yeah. Um, but like I said, if you are on the fence about it, if you're enjoying title more than I am, go ahead and check out my blog where I compared title and Spotify. I went over everything from which artists each. Uh, service has the usability of each who is the better app who is the better little extras thrown in so go ahead and check that out um, what i will miss is the occasional ability to throw on a uh, a taylor swift track i'll that, miss that yeah, when i when i, I will title. too i've been listening to uh i knew you were trouble yeah just nonstop. that's it's, a pop gem uh, oh it's an amazing it's fire song. i love that song <laughs> i listened to it at the gym like four times in a row the other day yeah yeah, it's a great Good track. Song. Great track. It wasn't four. It was like two. I lied because it sounded more interesting. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, listeners. Um, so with that, I think we can we can probably move on into the main topic of this episode, which we wanted to discuss Animal Collective. So this is a band that Jake and I both really enjoy. We actually have a special guest coming on, mm -hmm. one of our friends, uh, Dzak. He's been a, a a huge Animal Collective fan for a while now, so he's gonna give his take on it. Very excited to hear what he's gonna have to say. Um, yeah, I am, and too. like what he's gonna be about on a podcast. Uh, this yeah, is gonna be too. interesting. <laughs> it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but first, we we wanted to talk about seeing them in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, over the past yeah. weekend. Um, so, Jake, what do you what do you have to say about? Well, we we saw so we saw Animal Collective at this venue called the Three S Art Space in Portsmouth. And so, if this venue has been getting cool artists for long, it's unbeknownst to me. It has, and it's a recent. very new venue. It's, yeah, it's like seems brand new. So, first of all, for anyone who's listening who doesn't live in New Hampshire, um, which which we hope is a lot of people, <laughs> I hope so too. Um, 
there's not a whole lot of opportunity uh, in New Hampshire to see cool artists <laughs> and cool. Sean's coughing on the pod here. I muffled it in a pillow. Continue. Yeah, good. So if if you if you live in New Hampshire, there's not many opportunities to see really interesting, cool acts or artists or bands, whatever you want to call them, around here. And so I thought this was really neat because we get to see Animal Collective, who's a widely acclaimed, very very popular psychedelic electronic rock outfit um, here in here in the within the borders of the Granite State, <laughs> which is exciting. And I. I'm very interested in what this venue is going to bring to our scene here. See, we're not used to having a scene. We here. don't have a scene. Portsmouth may be coming. Maybe. I hope it does. You know, Animal Collective <clears throat> kicked it so. off. Julian Baker's coming. She is. Big shout. Um, so, yeah, it was a really cool show. Like you said, it's a new venue. It's a nice, small, intimate environment. It Actually, was. it's a little smaller than what you would expect a band like Animal Collective to be playing. It Absolutely it is. And I think maybe the reason they might have done it is, like, I think a band like Animal Collective occasionally... Once you get big, there's you always hear about bands when they have toured and toured for so long and done festivals and done whatever, <laughs> stadiums. I don't know if Animal Collective is doing stadiums, but um, they want to dial it back and try some more intimate, smaller shows. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, because this sold out like that. Oh, it's, it sold out in 10 when minutes. When we bought these we tickets. Were, we were right on the website. It sold out by, almost instantaneously. Yeah, it did. And so this was a venue that was only slightly bigger, really, than the venue we saw Viet Cong at right. in Portland, Maine. That's right. Um, and for anyone who listened to whatever podcast we talked about that on, probably the third one, so you have no good reason to have listened to that <laughs> nope. one. Nope. But uh, if you did, you remember the story about us going to this show and basically losing our hearing permanently for life. Animal Collective kept it to a, a decent volume. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But um, what we also wanted to talk about, did you have another point? No, I was actually just going to bring up what yeah. you were probably going to bring up is they had a really cool opener. Yeah. Uh, it's this rap collective called Rat King. They're based out of New York City. Um, they've got actually pretty favorable reviews. I was looking today yeah. on, on their last album. Uh, they were really, really cool. They were impressive, and they, they uh, put on a really good show. At, like So I think what we wanted to discuss, basically, was not so much Rat King, because I haven't done any no, kind of dive into yeah. their music at all. But um, as an opener, so there are sometimes you'll go to a show... You'll catch an opener you really, really like. This is an example. I'll probably check out Rat King as a result of this uh, of this concert we went to. But there are some times where you go to a show and there's one, maybe two openers. Neither is really blowing your, your mind. And um, you'd rather have maybe showed up a little later. What, what, what's your rule of thumb, Sean, for showing up to a concert and for openers? What do you try to... Is there a balance you try to strike? So when I was a little bit younger and I really cared about being up close towards the front row, I would make sure I get got there early, mm-hmm. and I would I would sit through the opener. As I've gotten a little bit older, I have stopped caring so much about being in the front row, and I've stopped caring so much about seeing openers. Now I would actually rather prefer to you know stay at the bar a little bit longer, get another drink, go in a little bit later, maybe like halfway through their set or towards the end of it, then find my place, uh, and then ready for... The, the headliner. And the reason for that is standing around during a loud opener who you don't really care about yeah. in an already kind of uncomfortable setting, it sucks. And I don't like doing it. I'm going to take you one step further. Actually, just go a little more general. Standing in general it's, sucks. Oh, it's and the that's worst. the biggest issue is that you're standing for... So sometimes it gets to be like almost three hours. And so if you do get there early for an opener, once they're done, I feel an obligation to stay close. Cause it's like, I'm not going to move right. back now. I got here early. I should keep my spot and, and see the band I came to see a little closer up. And I think the risk-reward factor for openers is that you can miss someone really great 
or you could catch some bands you're not so interested in. So for uh, the, I think the best example of an opener we ever saw, and we went to this concert together um, six years ago almost, five and a half years ago, yeah. we saw Vampire Weekend in Boston, um, and the opener was Beach House, who is awesome, and who we've both come to really, really like and follow through the years as a band. And so the risk was, say, say we saw that show more recently, and maybe we skip the opener and we don't get into Beach House. I think also it comes down to being more well-informed about who the openers are. I think you need to do a little bit of due diligence as a concert goer about who the opener is. Maybe check them out on Spotify or something. If you like what they're sounding like... Just gauge your interest. Gauge your interest. If you like what they're sounding like, show up early. Maybe they put on a great live show. Do a little bit of research. Figure out if it's worth going or not. Um, The other thing I'll say is... So I think one out of every six or seven openers ends up being good for me and ends yep. up being a good experience. The Beach House one was obviously one. I went to go see Youth Lagoon at the Middle East in Boston. There were two great openers there. Um, We've had some interesting experiences with openers too because if you think back to when we saw we saw Arctic Monkeys that's right. and the Orwells open. So here's the thing. This is another interesting thing because that was a performance I didn't particularly enjoy. I, but I don't dislike the Orwells. But at the same time, it's one I'm kind of happy I saw because they put on a show that was like the epitome to me of what you shouldn't do when you're opening for a band, which is they kind of made asses of themselves. So if you haven't heard of the Orwells, um, they're sort of a punk band out of, I think, Chicago. Yeah. Um, and they had a song in an iTunes commercial you probably yep. heard yeah. a million times. Um, just look them up. And they put on a show where they were kind of lewd. The crowd was sort of a young crowd. There were like young girls in the audience. The lead lead singer was doing stage dives with his pants half down. I wasn't totally comfortable, but at the same time it's given me something to talk about. True. It's been interesting to remember. And I guess the argument there is if like you're an up and coming band and you're an opener and you're trying to get people's attention, maybe you do need to do some of that stuff. You gotta make some noise. So the other thing I would say is, Jake, would you ever buy a ticket to a show just to see the opener? Um, like, because like, we've done this in the past. We're like, oh, this band's opening, and it's for another band that we like. For example, we went to go see the Black Keys in Boston, who we like, but mm-hmm. Arctic Monkeys was opening, and we were much more excited about that. Another time was we bought a ticket to go see the XX, also in Boston, right. and Grizzly Bear was opening, Grizzly who we Bear. liked more. So we've done it with bands who we like more. Well, and Sean, lest we forget, uh, 2003, Young Jake... <laughs> Going to see uh, Hootie and the Blowfish <laughs> as the as the uh, the headliner, really only there so I could see Big Head Todd and the Monsters <laughs> yes. open up. Uh, so that I, I was setting a precedent early. You were. Um, so yeah, I think the answer is if I like the the headlining act enough, I'd go to a, I'd go for an opener. Um, Would you ever buy a ticket though if you like the opener and want to see the opener but don't care at all about the headliner? I would probably avoid it. It depends how much I like them. And, it, and it, that's where it gets tough is like, what band do I love enough that's not already headlining? Right. No, that's a good point. There's, there's probably not a ton. Um, that's I've never actually come up come across that scenario. But I, I would... Because one of the major like stories of the, the National, the, I mean, pretty big band now, one of the big stories when Alligator came out around 2007 um, was... Or 2005, actually... Uh, was Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, was the opener. That's right. People 
were they packed it in for clap their hands say yeah they all left when the national came on and that's such a they were playing at like empty um, empty venues that's such a charlie brown the national type like move the football when he's going to kick (laughs) it move for the national it's very national it is like they're gonna get up there and sing their sad sad well what they what they would do is like they would like set up as fast as possible and then they'd kick it in with like able or like their faster songs to get people Aww. to stick around. I'm just feeling bad I, for the yeah, national now. Yeah. But I, hey, dude, they're selling out. No. They're headlining huge festivals. And hey, now, where's so. Clap Your Hands Say Yeah now? They're not. You know, I, I think they carved out like a nice career, but nothing not to like the, the magnitude national. of the national. The no. national is definitely the band no. that has come out the winner of that for sure. exchange. For sure. The other thing we wanted to discuss about concert going, um, so I had an interesting at this Animal Collective show, an interesting sort of scenario go down. So I was actually pretty close to the stage with a couple of friends at this Animal Collective show, and we got there during the opener. And at the beginning of the show, we're talking to this couple, not not old, but like older than us. Like we're in our early 20s. They were probably, I'd say mid-30s probably. Okay, okay. Um, and let me just say, that's an interesting demographic to be at an Animal Collective show. It is, and I'm not going to pretend to know how much they like Animal Although, Collective. you know what, I was there with a friend from work, Ian, big shout, uh, big friend of the pod, him and his wife are... You know, in their mid thirties. So. That's right, and this isn't an ageism thing. No, it's not. And if you want more information about ageism, we have a <laughs> podcast in which we discussed it, and you can look that up on SoundCloud. But so, I, and listen, I honestly no reservations about them being old. I don't, I don't care. I don't care either. I'm like sixty in my mind. Oh, I, okay. I yeah. am an old fart inside. Right. Anyway, so we're there, and I'm standing up close to the stage, and we're behind this couple, and they are really excited to see Animal Collective, and the guy who's there. Um, it's a it's a man and a woman. The guy who's there is really, sort of, clearly being protective of his spot. And he, we're kind of joking around before the show. We're like, oh yeah, we won't let anybody in. And at one point, uh, Rat King is walking up to do their opening set, and one of the members of Rat King walks by him. He starts boxing him out. He like he didn't realize this was a guy going towards the stage. <laughs> this guy turns his ass and back towards him and starts trying to push him away from his spot in the standing room only and that's the other thing that's important to know about this is that at this venue like many if you're going to like indie rock shows it's a standing room only thing it's basically a a big floor in front of a bar and so this member of the band who's trying to open is just trying to squeeze by and this guy's so protective of his spot that he he turns and does a full like basketball box out of this guy (laughs) he gets on stage anyways and this guy feels a little embarrassed anyways so the show goes on, whatever, Rat King leaves, Animal Collective comes on, people start to crowd up, as, as it happens at shows. You know, people showed up after the opener, and we're at capacity. We're still in our good spot on the floor. And this man becomes more and more paranoid and protective of his spot. And he's standing there, and he's kind of in like a protective stance, like, you know, like, a, like an athletic stance. Yeah. He's not really, I'm exaggerating, but he was really you know, being protective of, of what he carved out for himself. And so at one point, as Animal Collective is about to come on, this, this younger kid, probably 18, 19, pretty drunk it looked like, or high, um, tries to sneak in front of the guy protecting his turf. This dude gets in like, he like shoves him and starts screaming in his face, expletives and all, <laughs> right in his face, like, get the F out of here, get out of my face. Like, he's pushing this kid away. And they get in a real fight. And so at this point, because 
my friend and I, my friends and I had been chumming around with this guy before the show. I was like kind of on his side. I was like, you know what? This guy was out of line. He shouldn't just be stepping in front of, of him. He's, he's been here since the beginning. I kind of bought his argument. And so this story winds down soon, I promise. So the show gets going. And during the show, you know, it's an animal collective concert. So it's loud synths and like beats and people are high out of their mind. I was not, but people around me were, were clearly high and they're dancing, having a good time. And so girls who are dancing around are bumping into him. And at one, and he's like, this guy is holding his arm out in like an L, uh, like with his forearm out and like blocking them oh from him, God. like blocking them from getting into his space. One girl gets too close. He shoves her. Whoa. She gets in his face. They start to push each other. What? And so this this state trooper comes in, he's pulling people apart, and I look next to me at the end of this whole thing, and the woman he's with, his the couple there, the woman he's with is sort of like looking at him, she's like, please stop this. Oh. So so not only did I witness a couple borderline fights, I saw like a, a kind of a domestic bliss thing getting oh. unsettled, a, a date being, and, and I was like, oh, maybe this guy came... And he's not used to these kind of shows, and like she's really more into it, and he's trying to impress her by going. And I started getting all weird. So, anyways, that's all to say, what's your stance, Sean, on on having a stance and having like a carved out position at a concert? So that this guy sounds terrible. I was across the room. I was with a few other people. I was at the show with, and my stance on having your own spot is. Get there early, stake out a spot, fine. You can be a tiny bit protective of it, but do not be an asshole about it. Do not take it to that next level where you're fighting people, where you're shoving people. You need to be respectful of the people around you. Look, like you said, you're on a floor. There's a lot of people around. People are constantly moving. You're going to end up, you know, getting bumped away from your spot. It's like the tide. It's like when you're in the ocean and, like, you're just standing in one spot, but all of a sudden you end up, like... A a country mile down from your beach house. That's what's going to happen. Well, and the thing is, is, like... I understand the the desire to, like, want to... You got there early, you deserve that spot. That's fine. But it's not a reserved seat. Mm -mm. You don't... When you're at a concert like that, like, you'll probably stay around the same area... But jostling with people violently for a couple inches is not worth it. It's it, not. It's not like you're at a, 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 a what's going to be a rowdy, excitable. You're in amongst a bunch of kids who are excited to see this band, and and so I just I mean when I'm at a concert like that, my attitude is always like you know get the best spot you can. You'll kind of just go with the flow, mm-hmm. and you'll stay around the same mm-hmm. area. You'll be within the same like ten feet. Yeah, it's not like a huge deal, but. I, and so it was just interesting because there was a weird dynamic where there were these kids at the show. I say kids because they're around our age or younger, you know, moving around and 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 clearly really excited. And then there was this like anxious older guy who clearly like I don't know if he quite got it. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting comparison to my friend Ian, who I mentioned, who was there. He was having a great time. Like Ian's been to a ton of shows. He knows yeah. the deal. He's dancing around. He's having a good time. Like he's enjoying it. It's an interesting comparison yeah. between the the two and and the different experiences we both had in this crowd. I could see you guys. You were like ten feet away from me. I got real close. I was like ten feet from Panda Bear yeah. during the show. It was it was cool. And uh, but if I and I did get moved in front of it. at one point, this two people walked in front of me, and I. I acknowledge that when you're at a concert and you have a good spot the immediate reaction is like hey like what the hell like i was here but then you you just got to quickly be like you know what there's no reserved no. spots yeah, here it's not it's not worth worrying about yeah 
So I just um, thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough look for that guy. Yeah, and it, it seemed like his date. I don't know what his situation was. If they were fiancés or like maybe mm. married, but it seemed like the night had been at least a little. Da- she was not happy. She with was him. impressed. She was not happy with this guy. <laughs> Um, she was a really big Animal Collective fan. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Well, with that, I think this is probably a good time to start to discuss Animal Collective in general, the new album, what yeah. we thought of them live. Uh, so we're going to bring in our friend Dzak. Um, so here that is now. So we have our friend Dzak coming in on the pod right now to talk Animal Collective uh, and the new album Painting With. Uh, so, Mitch, what... Well, actually, I think the first question is, how long have you been listening to Animal Collective? When did you get into them? Uh, probably like five years ago. Five years ago. So after Meriwether Post, after... Oh, really? After, after. Pretty much, Yeah, pretty much after all their I, really good music came out. I, yeah, I think that's the case with a lot of us. Well, yeah. it, was my, it was the case for me. It was after Meriwether came out, um, and I got recommended that album, and that's how I ended up getting into it as well. So I had to go back and listen to all the all the classic albums. Well, and the reason we thought it would be cool to have, have Dzak on the pod is because ever since... Um, we became friends however many years ago it was. Mitch has been one of my points of reference for Animal Collective, a band that I struggled to get into. And I always looked up to, to Mitch here for Animal Collective advice and for what album to go with and whatever. And as, as we moved along, I eventually was able to get into it. But, but you've, been, you've been on the Animal Collective train for a while. Yeah. And so one thing I was wondering... Actually, no, we want to jump in with the album first. Yeah, let's talk Painting so, With. So Painting With, the new Animal Collective album, what are your thoughts overall on it? How do you feel? Uh, I think that <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> that, that, that disgruntled. Yeah, I'm not drum. like I'm not crazy about it. Yeah. It's definitely not one of my favorites. There are, are a lot of good songs on it, though. Like, uh, you know, I think towards the end of the album, there there are a lot of good songs. There's like on delay. Um, you got recycling. Um, Golden gals at the end of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that you're right. There are some interesting things, but I, mm-hmm. I noticed that, and this is something you you actually pointed out to me when because when we went to the show. Um, Mitch came with us, and I had not had the chance to listen to the album yet, so I went into the concert kind of blind. But um, on this album, there's a lot of songs that do this sort of quick call-and-response yeah. vocal thing. I think it's Panda Bear and A.V. Tear, essentially, like, one mm-hmm. of them will go, like, sing a syllable, and the other will sing that syllable back. And it's cool. It's a cool effect for a while, but it gets to be a little grating. I completely agree. The first time I was listening to it, I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. They're doing some some interesting stuff here. This sounds kind of catchy. And the more I listened, the more it just kind of really annoyed me. And I've listened like four or five times now. And I honestly, I don't think I want to listen again. Because I, so overall thoughts on this album is there's a few good tracks on it that they're doing some cool, interesting stuff. The rest, I think, are a little bit grating. They're a little bit annoying. They sound like an imitation or a shadow of what they think Animal Collective should sound like right now. And it's not as interesting as past albums have been. Um, it doesn't sound like they're pushing the boundaries of what the genre is that they're in, um, of music in general. I, I just think they're, I don't know. I, I, it's just, there's a lot, of, a lot of confusing directions that they've gone in here. Well, I just think that like some of these songs, it feels like, 
it's a decent start for a song or whatever, or like an okay idea for an Animal Collective song, and then, but it's not quite one of their best ideas, and they kind of tried to make it sound more exciting by doing this vocal thing throughout every song. I don't know what you, if you... Yeah, I noticed at the end of the album, um, there are songs that I really like, and the, probably my least favorite, two favorite songs, um... Summing up, summing up the wretch, yeah. summing the wretch, and um, spilling guts. Yeah. Those two songs back to back, I think, are the two worst on the album. And I noticed that summing the wretch, kind of like, it has like the same kind of vocal track to it, like where they're like, it's like an echo. Yeah. And it's just awful. And, and like back to back, they're um, like it's you can hear, it, yeah, you can hear it in spilling guts. Yep. And then you get go right into summing the wretch and like. It just sounds like it's like a fast-forwarded version of that song. It's the same stuff. And I think, so I was talking with Sean before you got here about our favorite, some of our favorite tracks, which we'll get into, but I mentioned Hocus Pocus. And I think on that song, it's an example of how they use that well. They do mm -hmm. like the kind of quick call and response thing or whatever it is. They do the quick like delay echo. And it sounds really cool on Hocus Pocus. And I think I agree with you. Near the end of the album, and I didn't even necessarily know which songs it was. I've listened like five times now. But you're, as you get down to like track 9, 10, 11, it feels like it's like every song, and it, it becomes sort of like annoying. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Jake, you brought up a good point about a lot of these sounding like just ideas of good songs, and this is something we talked about in the Kanye West podcast, where a lot of the songs on there just sounded like sketches or ideas. Yeah. I think this kind of falls into the same boat, where what Animal Collective used to do is they would have ideas for songs, they would go on tour... They'd play a lot of those songs live. They'd start to figure out what they wanted them to sound like and how well they worked, and then they would go and record the album. Yeah. This time around, they just got together and recorded an album, and now they're touring it. And I think you're starting to see that like, maybe some of those ideas aren't fully fleshed out. Um, they seem to just be repeating a lot of the same ideas. While there are some cool things to it, I think they could have expanded on those yeah. a lot more. Um, so I think that's something to consider with how, you know, this is a band who doesn't live together anymore. They live on opposite ends of the world. I mean, you have Noah Lennox Panda Bear living in Lisbon right now. You have A.V. Ter, I think, who is living in either New York City or L.A., either right. one. They're, I mean, they're all living in different places. They're in different points in their life right now. They're not going to be making the same music that they were making you know, when they were younger, in, their, in the prime of their career. That's a good point. Which I think is a, is a good... Um, segue into how how do you both think this fits into their overall discography? Well, I wanted to defer to Mitch on that one because you've listened to pretty much their whole catalog, right? And so mm -hmm. I was looking at it today on Wikipedia, and it's actually kind of an overwhelming amount of material, it's, which is, I think, yeah. one of the deterring factors in why I didn't get into them sooner. They have, mm -hmm. around, I think, around 20 total albums. They have, I think, 16 uh, EPs and LPs, and then they have a few live things going on. I think this was their 10th like full length album, mm -hmm. and they've been going on since 2000. I mean, I don't need an exact ranking, but where do you like roughly? Where does this rank? Like in the middle near? The I would bottom? put it. Well, does this is this counting EPs too? This can let's, count whatever. Yeah, you let's want. count EPs. If it's with this. if you're counting EPs, then it's a lot lower. It's like it's definitely in the bottom half. So what's above it? What's above it? Yeah, uh, what's I mean, right around near it then, or whatever? Like what's in? I that would area? put it like around like Water Curses EP. Um, or like the people EP, like okay. around that area, kind of like towards the t towards the back half. There's like probably four albums that I I don't like, yeah, uh, I, um, as much. I I would agree with you, Mitch. Where 
when you look at their early career stuff, like Dance Manatee, you know, Campfire Songs, Here Comes mm-hmm. the Indian, like those are really difficult albums to get into yeah. and aren't super enjoyable. There's some interesting things there, but like you're not going to go back and be like, oh, I'm going to listen to this album over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think it's down there with those. Um, I think everything they've done between like Campfire Songs and this album has been better. So I don't literally have, everything. I don't have as well-rounded a take on it because the only Animal Collective albums I've listened to are Fall Be Kind EP, Meriwether Post Pavilion, Strawberry Jam, um, Feels, Sung Tongs, and now this. So I've listened to six um, out of their several albums. So I don't have as good a feel for the early stuff. But And I actually skipped Centipede Hurts just because I wasn't a big enough fan when it came out. I actually became more of an Animal Collective fan in the years since that album came out. But... This is like it's the bottom of those albums, if that puts it in perspective. I mean, those. That, I mean, so Meriwether Post feels Strawberry Jam, Sung Tongs. Those are like for most fans, it seems sort of the heavyweights, anyways. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that this would be lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when you're even comparing it to to Centipede HZ or Hertz or whatever you want to call it, that's a better album than this, I think. And even that's not great by their standards. I think when you look at, like you said, the heavyweights, it's Meriwether, Sung Tongs. Strawberry Jam and Feels, those are the four. It's all those albums between like 2004 and 2009. 2004 to 2009 was like their their peak. And I think this is an interesting thing to to discuss with Animal Collective is during that era, there seemed to be like this this mystery about them where you're like, who are these guys? Like they have these different names. Um, (laughs) They used to perform with uh, like masks on and stuff and like... They did so many weird things. I bet their shows were really fun, but they were probably a little trippy. Awesome. Yeah, they're probably really cool. They're like they had like this mystery about them, and they had like this this sense about them that they couldn't do any wrong in terms of the music that they were creating. And then you have Centipede come out in 2012 and or 2013. I forget what year it was, and it seems like a bit of that mystery and that prestige about them has been peeled back and you're like oh they're just they're human after all like they're they're mortal like they can they can put out kind of a dud album yeah totally and i think that is for our perspective um i mean we come in and honestly like near the younger end of animal collective fans because they have fans dating back to their earliest days so we kind of were like younger younger during that hot era that sort of that that zone mitch just mentioned the 2004 Mm -hmm. 2009 sort of era. I want to get back to Painting With, though, really quick. And you mentioned what some of your least favorite tracks are. What would you say is your favorite song on there? Favorite song? You know, on Painting With, yeah. Um, You know, I kind of like uh, Lying in the Grass. Nice. I think that's probably my favorite. I don't know if it's, like, definitely my favorite. I, I'm, I'll probably listen to it. I'm definitely going to keep listening to it. And I mean, it, today I got really into Golden Gal. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This song is a lot better than the first time I heard it. It's really grown on me. Lying in the Grass was like, I think the the only song on this album that the first time I heard it, I was like, I really like this song. Mm-hmm. So I, that's kind of kind of stuck with me since then. But I, I've been listening more. Like a lot of tracks have grown on me. And a lot, there are a couple tracks that I'm just like, I'm never going to like this song. Yeah. And I... like, it, like those ones at the end, like Summing Up the Wretch and... Uh, spilling guts like those songs. I, I just it, you take those two songs off the album. I think the album's a lot better. It sounds like you've warmed up on this album a little bit though since we last I have, talked about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Well, the first time I heard it was like Friday, so yeah. you were 
you know, really only a day behind me when you heard it. Yeah, and I put it on in the car ride over. Yeah. And so, first of all, an Animal Collective album is hard to get into on your first listen no matter what. Mm-hmm. On a car ride with everyone talking and with, like, the highway noise, not a good way to hear an Animal mm-hmm. Collective album for the first time. Probably shouldn't have even done it. I no. wish I could have heard them, like, when Meriwether Post came out. Like, yeah. I wonder what that experience was, like, what it was like, what, like, the first time you hear it. You're excited for a new Animal Collective album, and that's what they put out. Right. And it's, like one of the best albums of the 2000s of yeah the last couple decades yeah yeah, for sure so i think getting back to painting with um my favorite track on there golden gals up there the single floridata is up there and i and i think bagels in kiev which is a panda Mm -hmm. bear track so this is an interesting thing to talk about with them is panda bear and his involvement with this band yeah so it seems like avi tear takes the lead, at least on the last two Animal Collective records, and Panda Bear kind of takes a back seat. So Panda Bear has his own solo stuff, which has been really, really strong over the past decade. Um, I'm getting the sense that he is maybe saving his best songs and his best effort for his solo work, and he's kind of holding back on... Except for Newtown Burnout. Newtown Burnout's a really good song on Centipede. Yeah, but I, the thing I, is, like, is one good song out of a whole yeah. album's worth, like, really what Panda Bear mm-hmm. can and should be bringing to the I table? I heard he originally was going to put Newtown Burnout on Tomboy. Oh, I don't know really if that's good. true or not, but he ended up, it ended up being on Centipede Hurts, yeah. and it's, it's my favorite song on that album, yeah. and it would definitely be my favorite song on Tomboy. Do you guys think we're at the point now where... A Panda Bear release, a new Panda Bear album is more exciting to you than a new Animal Collective album? To me, it is, for sure. I don't think it is for me. No. no. But I was going to say, I think with more serious Animal Collective fans, maybe not. Yeah, they I, still, like, they put out some good songs. Like, I'm still going to get excited for new music and, like, the, you know, the chance that maybe they put out an awesome album. But it, the last two have been, I like, Centipede Hurts is okay. Painting With is, eh. And I think, this is something I mentioned to you guys, I'm bummed out about this, because I think they miss an opportunity for an all-time great album title, album cover combo for Mm -hmm. a great album. The album cover for this is awesome, and I've told some people about this, it reminds me of those trippy late 60s portraits of the Beatles, because there's one of each of the members. There's one of Geologist, there's one of A.V. Taylor, there's one of Panda Bear, and it's like these artist renderings of their face, and they're all trippy and stuff. I think that's such a cool album cover, I like love that it's just that on white, and the album title painting with is really cool actually kind of a, a far cry from yeah. the kind of crappiness that was centipede hurts that album mm-hmm. cover is terrible it's it's a terrible album cover and it's a terrible album name it's, it is. and that's the thing is painting with is has great is great for both of them mm-hmm. and again having not really listened to centipede hurts but what i've heard from a lot of people is that this is not even as good an album as that it's not it's not and i think it's an interesting question to ask is are we ever going to get back to animal collective of seven, eight years ago, uh, where they were at their heights at Strawberry Jam, Meriwether Post, um, you know, Fields Days. Are we ever going to get that again, or is this just a band who's on the decline now? I don't know if they're going to, like... When Centipede Hurts came out, I was kind of, like, skeptical, uh, like, whether or not they were going to actually keep making music. So I was surprised that they made this album. So I don't even know, like, I wouldn't just assume that they're going to keep making music, like, like you said, um, you know, AV Tear and Panda Bear live so far away. Mm-hmm. I don't even think Deacon's in the band anymore. Like, hasn't uh, he dropped out a couple times? He he wasn't on Meriwether Post. Yeah, like, he's in and out. Yeah. yeah. Well, to me, it seems like most bands, and there are exceptions, 
But we're getting to the point now, it's interesting with Animal Collective, we're getting to the point where we can start looking at their their um, run of albums as a career now. Like, almost the way you look at, like, the Rolling Stones through the 60s and set, they're, they're transcending. There are a couple decades here. And it's interesting to think that I think a lot of bands, most bands, have basically one point in their career that's, like, the real the best point and they're releasing mm-hmm. quality album after quality album and I think it's what you, you were describing earlier it's that run from Sung Tongs through Meriwether Post Pavilion that like five six year span yeah. and I, I don't know for me I'm skeptical that they'll get back to it because um, and I'm actually bummed out that I missed I, I sort of feel I missed the boat on Animal Collective a little bit at least for new releases because I feel like if you say you became an Animal Collective fan in 2008 like right after Strawberry Jam and you really got into that album you really enjoyed it because it's great and then you're like oh i wonder what the next one will be like you said before and you get meriwether post like that's awesome i feel like now uh i kind of missed the boat and i remember when centipede hurts came out i i had kind of gotten into meriwether post pavilion and i remember telling mitch i was like i'm gonna listen to this new animal collective album (laughs) and i was like this will get me into it i saw some of the early reviews i heard what you said about it both of you and I just immediately kind of gave up. And I just decided to instead go back in time with them. It's that Centipede would not be the album to start with. Painting With would not be the album to start with. So for any new fans, like, they're probably not getting a ton of new fans just based off these albums. They're really wow. doing it off the strength of 2004 through 2009 releases. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, that's the thing. A lot of people are just going backwards when they're discovering them. And I think it's interesting that at the show we went to, they didn't play. They hard. They hard played hardly any of their classic songs yeah. or their fan favorites, as you would call them, yeah. uh, which I was a little disappointed in. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, they they have to have like a go-to song. Like not not the thing is they have so many big songs that they could have played. Like you could play almost anything from Grass Feel or uh, from Feels Sung Tongs, like any of those albums, and people are gonna be like. They're gonna go crazy for it, especially or Merryweather Post. Like you, you play know, anything from Merryweather Post, and it's like, all right, this is this is gonna be an awesome song. It almost feels a little bit like passive aggressive. It almost feels like Nirvana not playing "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yeah. Like I'm not expecting Animal Collective to play "My Girls" or whatever. I know that yeah. for them, it probably is not fun. Or I know, artists go through that thing where like they just can't play their most popular song. To me, it feels like a weird sort of rebellion thing. But, mm-hmm. I mean, at this show, I mean, Painting With had just come out. They played mostly Painting With songs, it seemed like. And, they and, did. And a couple, we got, what was it, Daily Routine from Meriwether Post. We got a yeah. couple from Feels, one of which was Lock Raven. Right. Which it's like, why Lock Raven? That's probably the last song that I want to hear. <laughs> from Feels. From that album. Not, like, I like that song. Like, that... Like I, I love that album, but like that's literally the last one I, I wanted to hear. What would like, have been what would have been some songs from Feels that you would have liked to see busted busted out or from Strawberry Jam? Definitely Banshee Beat. Yeah. Uh, Grass. Did you see the words? Uh, Purple Bottle. Turn into something. Yeah. Uh, on pretty much I, any. I, agree with all <laughs> I just those. named like every other song I, on the I album. Know. I agree with all those. Would have all been awesome. <laughs> hey, those, they, like, the only two songs they played from that album are the two songs I didn't name. Hey, they didn't go for with Daffy Duck, so we <laughs> yeah, can't, that's right. We can't give them too much shit. <laughs> if if they were to play something from Strawberry Jam, I would have loved obviously Fireworks. That's probably a little too like that's mainstream like, for that's them like right now. Second under My Girls it, for like yeah. the Do Not Playlist. I would have loved Forever and Green. That's Even a, throw me Peace Bone. Yeah. Dude, or, Peace Bone. or Derek. Like mm-hmm. give me one of those. I was looking at. Set list or from, unsolved mysteries. Yeah, any like any of the first like five tracks yeah. I think would have been awesome to hear. But uh, I, I was looking at set lists from like years past, 
and they would always have they would play like purple bottle or peace bone or something and they didn't really give us that like alvin Rowe and uh daily routine were the two best songs they played all night i think I, I would agree. I think I think Bees was good, and then yeah. Daily Routine was good. I think Flory Dada was good, too, and that was the one that, like, everyone was most familiar with, which was weird. Like, yeah. the crowd went, like, kind of nuts for well, that, that song. That kind of goes back to, like, who is, like, just getting into Animal Collective now. It's like, if, if you're getting really into Flory Dada, it, like, you, well, I, I don't I, know if you're, like, necessarily just getting into them or not, but... Yeah. No, I, I don't think that's the case. I think what ended up happening was everyone who was at this show was a pretty big Animal Collective fan. Yeah. And they're like, oh, new Animal Collective single, Flory Dada. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check it out. They're probably like, yeah, I like it. That's true. Every one of us bought tickets. Well, almost every one of us bought tickets like immediately when they went on sale. <laughs> Mitch found his right before the show somehow. <laughs> um, but well, like, screwed, I was though. two minutes late. Yeah, yeah just late to he buy them. They sold out in five, ten they minutes. So, yeah, they sold out. Like, they must have been in under ten minutes because I yeah. tried to buy them at like 12... 10 or 12, 11 or something. Yeah, so I think what ended up happening was most of the people at the show were huge fans. If they had just thrown us a bone, if they'd given us any shred of a popular Animal Collective song, the place would have went nuts. It was already a great crowd to begin with. And the most nuts that we got was Daily Routine, which is like, but Mm -hmm. come on, of all the songs on on Merryweather Post, I love Daily Routine. You you know how they didn't play the the encore? Like, they didn't, they did play an encore, but they didn't leave the stage first. They just said... they played Flory Dada, I thought for sure we were all going to keep clapping and wait for the encore, and then everyone just started leaving. Well, because they put the house lights up and the music started. And I think you said to me, you're like, oh, that that was their encore, and I was like, yeah. I was like, really? Like, I was, I was fully expecting them to come out with an encore and play like one of their the big songs from Meriwether Post or something. So this I, is, it. sorry, did I cut you off? No. I was gonna ask. In seeing them live, I've obviously that's the first time I've seen Animal Collective, and I was not shocked by the group dynamics. I thought it was interesting that Av Ter took the lead with the crowd, and Panda Bear basically had his eyes closed the whole show. I mean, is that what you guys? Or expecting 100% that's what I expected just based on interviews that I've read of them like transcripted interviews Noah Lennox Panda Bear doesn't talk at all he seems bored by the entire process Mm -hmm. like I looked at him I was like does he even want to be here right now he looks bored I expected their like the energy in their music to make up for like the lack of energy from them like geologists was pretty into it yeah he was like he was the only one he was like dancing around up there he was up there yeah yeah he was but like not like, if you go to other shows, like you see, guys like dancing. You know, it's it's definitely there's more energy in, in a lot of shows that I've been to. What I feel like would be the perfect Animal Collective show is a is one that really shows off the differences between Av Tear and Panda Bear. Like I want Av Tear up there doing his Av Tear screams, like mm-hmm. for Reverend Green stuff. Yeah. That like um, in a uh, Peace Bone and stuff like that. Like he does, he has this great just like just aggressive sandpapery screech mm-hmm. he does mm-hmm. and I want to hear more of that live we didn't get much of it and we didn't I didn't feel like get that many songs except for daily routine that really highlight what panda bear does live with his like just sort of soaring fake sounding mm-hmm. voice that's how I describe his voice it sounds yeah. like a, an instrument yeah yeah it's just like another thing to like weave into the, all the other sounds that he's doing and I agree I think it would have been a lot better to, to see both of those stronger performances from them um, where, what would you rank as the top three Animal Collective albums in your mind, Mitch? 
Feels, Meriwether Post, Strawberry Jam. So that's you're putting Feels number one. Feels is number one, but if it makes any sense, I know that Meriwether Post is a better album. I, I know. I, that okay. does make sense. Like, we talk about that all the time, actually. So I like when I got into Animal Collective, I had already given Animal Collective a shot. Like uh, the first time I heard Meriwether Post, I was not into it. I was like, I just don't really like this kind of music. And then. I heard feels and I didn't. Uh, I, I heard like a couple songs and I was like, I kind of like this. Yeah. It's definitely a different sound. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting you say that. It's the same way I got into Animal Collective. It mm-hmm. was like I could not for the life of me get into Meriwether Post. And I didn't get into feels first. Yeah. I eventually did get into Meriwether Post, but it took like five, six listens over a span of several years and just mm-hmm. hearing it enough at parties or like get togethers with you guys where I finally, like, it seeped in there, and, like, one day I put it on, and it just clicked, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, so I wrote a blog on level4media.net about how to get into Animal Collective. (laughs) Uh, That's (laughs) level4media.net. Dot com? (laughs) Dot net. Dot net. Don't confuse the listeners, Mitch. Dot edu. (laughs) (laughs) Dot gov. And and I I wrote about how to get into Animal Collective, and I said to start off with Meriwether, um, I also had the same kind of reaction to it where I was like I like some of this but I don't love it it's hard to get into although I think starting with feels would be equally as hard it's still like weird and challenging I think the reason why that like you or other people like feels so much is maybe because they've gotten used to that sound so so the first song that I heard on that album was Banshee Beat and I love the build up in that song Mm -hmm. and so I was like I I I guess I kind of like got into that sound from that song and like the rest of the album kind of similar in a way, but it definitely is like, it's, you know, it's kind of all over the place, which is hard to get into sometimes. It can be hard. So you went Feels 1, Meriwether 2, Strawberry Jam 3. I think I go, and again, I haven't listened to all of them, but I go probably Meriwether first, then Strawberry Jam, then Feels. And I mean, that for me is like clear in my mind as my favorites uh, although they're all really close i really enjoy listening to feels what happens with feels is that near the back half it's a little long it it's mm. you get songs like daffy duck and yeah. i forget lock raven and those songs back to back it's just like they're two longest sort of dreariest like mo- least engaging songs right yeah. in a row and they're both long and for me like and then you get turned into something which is awesome one of the mm. probably top three top five songs on that whole album um, and I just wish that they maybe cut one of those or got the best of both of them and kind of did one song that was a little mm-hmm. shorter. I would like it more. But but Feels has some of my definitely favorite Animal Collective songs. Mm-hmm. So my order would be exactly the same as Jake's. It's Meriwether, Strawberry Jam. Feels is really, really close to Strawberry Jam, though. Um, I think just what they're doing on Meriwether from like a pop music standpoint as well as taking some of the experimental stuff that they were doing earlier on and melding those together... It's just something that no other band had really been doing at the time and made you question, like, what could a pop song be? What can music actually be? And they lived in this really interesting place in 2009 where they seemed to just be on the cutting edge of what music was, and you were like, they're just going to keep doing this. They've, like, like revolutionized music. And then you had everybody else kind of catch up with, like, a lot of the synth pop that's been happening since yeah. then and some of the more experimental stuff, and then you see them kind of take a dip in quality so there wasn't really the revolution that I think a lot of people were expecting at the end of that decade yeah. but I think that album still really really holds up as an amazing piece of art well and here's the thing so Meriwether Post as great as it is would you guys say that so Person Pitch by Panda Bear alone just as a solo album 
Was it you, Mitch, who said that you you think that's like your second favorite Animal Collective involved, like an Animal Collective yeah, work? I think so. Of yeah. a member of Animal Collective, it's mine as well. Is I would it, put it at Merriweather, maybe only very, very slightly better, and then it's Person Pitch. Mm. Person Pitch is a top twenty album of all time for me. Yeah, yeah, Person Pitch is like it's one of the coolest albums to listen to. It's great. Yeah, it's like I guess like his dad had just died, so there's like so much. Um, there are like so many feelings on that album yep. from him, and like it, it's only seven minutes or, or seven songs long, and it's like every song is amazing. It's pretty like, densely packed. It's all the stuff you love about Panda Bear, just like melody and like these little, just weird melody and like these the the way he arranges instruments and sounds mm-hmm. is so unique, and it's actually really to me not that much like Animal Collective that album. Yeah. It, no, it's not. It's the most Beach Boys. Take the most Beach Boys esque yeah. Animal Collective songs. I mean, probably something like Bluish, or you know, the more obviously the more. Although Panda it's interesting Bear you say Bluish because Bluish is an AV song. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's but still, I mean, I think that same kind yeah. of like just you're vibing. Like yeah, that right. Kind yeah. of, it's got yeah. a vibe to it. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of where Person Pitch and Panda Bear solo stuff goes it's more it's more like aquatic almost yeah. it does it, the whole album feels very watery those two albums came out from like a year year and a half of each other something like that yeah have is, either of you ever listened to av tear solo stuff at all i have not had the opportunity to mitch is, it's, mitch is it's, nodding smiling it's just not it's not accessible like it's it it's the weirder side of animal collective for sure i don't know if you've ever heard uh odd sacks odd sack is that the one you played for us when we were driving back home from no, the show? no no that was uh that was um here comes the indian but um <laughs> That is it's kind of album. it's kind of like that too actually like it's just it's very weird it's so hard to get into I like I, I have no interest in really listening to it well and not to tie everything back to the Beatles but I this is int- I, I've heard this comparison and I think it's interesting with um, animal collective you have panda bear and AV tear and to me you can kind of like compare them and make them like kind of a Lennon McCartney type pairing uh, with um, Panda Bear being like McCartney, uh, A.V. Terry being more like Lennon, both because, like John Lennon, A.V. Terry like, has that aggressive... He's more the rock and roll member. He's more punk. He's more aggressive. Like, if there was a... He kind of gives Animal Collective their edge, and Panda Bear sort of rounds it off with these soft melodies, like the really nice flourishes mm-hmm. of, of just instruments and stuff like that. And also... You could argue that Paul McCartney had a stronger solo career than Lennon did, and A.V. Terry doesn't do a whole lot solo. He's, he was stronger... In, in the context in, of Animal Collective. Right. And I think you could say John Lennon maybe was in the Beatles, although he had some good solo stuff. Maybe um, the parallels end there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good comparison. I, I've never listened to any A.V. Tear um, solo stuff. From what I understand, uh, his 2010 album, Down There, is supposed to be pretty good. I think yeah. that's the one that people mm-hmm. are like, if, you, if you're going to listen to an A.V. solo album, listen to that one. Because again, in the context of, of Animal Collective, I actually really look forward to AV Tear songs. Like I re- like especially Strawberry Jam is mostly AV Tear. Yeah. That's an AV Tear heavy album. He definitely had like has. I think he has the better vocals. He has like the more aggressive vocal. I don't yeah. know. Who, neither of them are like. He's not like a better singer, but he's just more interesting to listen to. I, I guess. Yeah, he definitely has. Um, because like Panda Bear's voice is really nice to listen to. It has basically one setting. Mm-hmm. It, like yeah. I don't know what his range is because it seems like he's always singing in the same range. He doesn't really try to branch out too much. A.V. Tear does those screeches and the right. yelps and mm-hmm. like the, he always seems like he's 
uh, like going nuts in, in the studio. Yeah, a ton yep. of passion. Yeah, and like sure. that's why Strawberry Jam is such a compelling album to listen to, isn't it? So it's Derek is on that and Chores is on that. Is anything mm-hmm. else Panda Bear on that? Isn't the rest of it Avi? Uh, yeah, it might it might be off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah I, I think it might be. Head. It's a really heavily AV yeah. album. That's something that I notice you pay very close attention to. Is whose songs yeah. are whose? Yeah, Jake could tell like, you any yeah. Beatles song and like who like was I, it written by. I can't always like, do that. Like I, I have a harder time yeah. with really? it as well. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just not something that I really think about when I'm listening. I th- I think about it and I try and identify it. I am not as good yeah. as Jake is with it. He'll be like, oh, that's this. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah. painting with, it's really hard because they're doing, oh, eh, ee, yeah. ooh, ah, eh, ah, oh, <laughs> I think they ah, both uh, sing on like every The whole song, it's just out, them going back song, and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, I guess I think about it. Maybe that's not interesting to other people, but for me, it's cool to think about it as like how they come together and which member carries an album. And wh- and I, I thought it was you, Mitch, who actually said that um, Strawberry Jam was a more heavily uh, AV tear album. Maybe it was someone else. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it is. It just is. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Like, um, but I don't. I can't like say which one. Right. I got you. I got you. Embarrassing. Yeah, but I think that's probably the the consensus top three there. Um, it in seems some, to be. In some mm-hmm. order, I think it's worth noting as well that I mean, Sung Tongs is a great yeah. record. Um, it's worth shouting out Fall Be Kind EP. And I was I wanted to bring that up too. Is the Fall Be Kind EP? Even the Water Curses EP is good. There's some yeah. good stuff on there. The song Water Curses mm-hmm. is awesome. If you like feels and song tongues, then People's a good EP. Yeah, that's got some some pretty good songs on it. So yeah, like Jake mentioned, they have a dense catalog. It can be tough to break into. There there can be a difficult band sometimes. I think and it's by design with them. They're intentionally difficult. I feel like that's like part of their aesthetic. They go for that. And I think it goes back to the show where like I think they were intentionally just being like, we're playing our new stuff and a couple deep cuts and that's it. It seems like they keep their fans at arm's length. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, like especially they, they Panda like, yep. Bear. Like Panda Bear's pretty withholding. Yeah. Like you don't get any affection off no. him during a show. A.V. Terra at least gave a shout out. He was like, hey, this is our first time in New Hampshire. It's been yeah. fun. Like, thanks for coming out. This is great. Panda Bear was dead yep. silent the whole show. Yeah. Didn't sing, say a word. Sang plenty of songs, just had nothing else to say. Nope. I don't think he opened his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I really truly don't. Do you think he was awake? He might have been like in that liminal state between awake and asleep. Like he was like seeing little spots in his eyes. He was about to doze off. He did look very He was over there writing his new album. Yeah, he was yeah, he's not even playing with yeah. them. Maybe he just has really bad stage fright. I think he I think yeah. he's someone with social anxiety. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like he, he might be. possible. He yeah. doesn't he seems like the epitome of someone who's gonna make a bedroom pop album and like just record something in his room or in his garage and like not like want it to be for him and like if anyone <laughs> listens that's coincidental <laughs> yeah. like it's not about the fa- he doesn't care about going out and getting famous he certainly doesn't seem like he eats up the fame oh he yeah. definitely doesn't no not, not to say that geologists or, or AV Terror do <laughs> no, either because people. they certainly yeah. like, compared to other front men in bands they, they're both pretty late like reserved as well yeah mm-hmm. no so any any final thoughts on where we're at with Animal Collective with Painting With did you have anything else, Mitch? Yeah, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, <laughs> can, I can't you though? Like can't I, wait. I can't say I'm like overly excited I, for a new I, animal. I collective still album, am though. like hoping that they come out with another album. I'm hoping they tour again. Actually, the the thing about like we're, we watched we we were seeing an album tour and it's every time you see an album tour, you're gonna see them play like every track on it, and they're. And you just like don't like know the album well enough to really get that into it. Yeah. Like one of the best shows that I ever went to was Death Cab for Cutie, 
wasn't an album tour. It was just a random tour that they decided to do one year. Yeah. It was like two years after Codes and Keys came out, and it was amazing. They they must have played like at least two songs from every album. I yeah, we were at that show together, and I completely agree. I was so happy. There. I was there too. But yeah, yeah, we were all there together. With Mary Kate and my brother. So that's right. And I remember us there. No, I think that was Shout it. Shout out to Mary Kate and my brother, friends of the pod. Big friends of the pod. Yeah, it was the five of us because I remember Matt sat in the back of Mary Kate's uh, <laughs> CRV. Sorry, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. They played songs like that dated way back. Uh, off they they played songs from like We Have the Facts and we're voting yes mm-hmm. and like yeah, it was great. It, and yeah. that, that's what I thought was missing from this this Animal Collective yeah. tour um, concert. And it's like I feel like bands should make some sort of special concession when. You, your album came out a couple days ago. Like, a lot of us hadn't heard the whole thing, and I would have loved, like, even just, like, four or five more songs from other albums. Mm-hmm. Like, replace just a few from Painting With with stuff from it's older It's good that albums. they were at least prepared to play those songs. I went to a, uh, I went to a pinback show a few years ago, and um, there it was, like, a week after their new album came out, and they played like one song from it. I wasn't like gonna complain. Like I hadn't really heard the album. It was awesome. They played pretty much. It was kind of like Death Cab. They played pretty much everything yes. that they had, and it was really cool. And I, but like they even came out and said they're like, yeah, we just we haven't really practiced those songs yet. <laughs> I can't say I would have like hated that. I, yeah, I know. With this, I mean, I enjoyed some of it, mm-hmm. and I think, but from an album I don't love, I wasn't just totally loving it live, and, especially and I, having not heard it. And I think part of it probably is they're still working out the kinks on this, so maybe it didn't sound as good as it could have. I know there were songs that they played that I could not identify at all, even though I had listened to the album before and I knew the songs by name. I had no idea what they were playing at certain points, mm-hmm. and it was kind of it was kind of frustrating. I think one last question before we sign off: What, when do you expect, and what do you expect out of a new Animal Collective album? Like, because we, so this is it's 2016. The last one we got was Centipede Hurts, which was what 2012, uh, yeah. 13. So it's four years before it was three years before that. It this feels like it's going to be a gap for to me. It seems like this is like a big. We won't get one till like 2020, which sounds crazy, but it's probably <laughs> they're going to be like. In their forties by then. Yeah, like, they're and the bear is what thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would expect, honestly, more of the same of what we're already getting. I don't think we're getting a Meriwether Post Pavilion resurgence of that sound or that level of quality. I think they're just going to kind of keep making these unless they make a drastic change in their lives, as in they they start living in the same place again and they play more together. Um, I think the Pitchfork review had a great quote at the end where it said, you can schedule work, but you can't schedule magic. And I Uh, think that's a great way to think about what they do is you can't just schedule the brilliance of a Meriwether Post Pavilion. That comes about organically. And this, everything about this was not organic. It was, let's get together, let's record an album, Mm -hmm. let's go tour. Yeah, I think I think they're just making the music that they want to make. I think that's you know, also like, a good. Point. I'm sure they're happy with the album. Mm-hmm. Um, or like uh, Cam said on the uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, like they don't really care about reviews. They don't they, really care about what other people are saying. They're yeah. just happy with their music. And I, which, and I, I think if there's a band who probably doesn't give a shit what critics are saying it's probably Animal Collective mm-hmm. yeah because they've run the gamut from like they actually they get a lot of critical praise for some of those albums like from five six years ago and now they're seeing some of that dwindle but I don't get the impression that they f- fuel off that at all no I think Mitch makes a great point that they're making the music that they want to be making if you look at 
you know, Panda Bear solo albums. That's the music he wants to be making. I'm yep. sure mm-hmm. AV's the same way. It's just they're, they have their own creative vision that they definitely go after, and you really can't fault them. For yeah, that. it's like love it or leave it. They're just going right. to be there. They're, I'm doing my thing. Yeah, yep. you can mm-hmm. take it or leave it. That's yep. a good point. But yeah, that's Animal Collective Talk. Um, yeah, I think I think that probably wraps it up. We'd love to, we'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on on what you think. Get at us on Twitter at level four underscore media. Uh, also check out the website level4media.net. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, or just check us out on SoundCloud. Like we said earlier, we'd love a good review. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on, yeah, Mitch. Absolutely. We, we appreciate, appreciate your the, insight. Definitely. Yeah, I'll be back next week. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> Let's talk after the... when I. We'll talk, all right? We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll figure this out. No, but this was good. Seriously, thanks No, this was great. On. Yeah, yeah thanks no for coming on. Um, thanks, everybody. Yep. Yeah, see you next week. earlier today was a really funny word <laughs> what pray tell <laughs> it is jake pray tell what time you're coming over is that what is, so is that the way it's used in a sentence yeah it's like please tell me okay pray tell <laughs> pray tell your arrival time <laughs> that's really funny I was thinking about that at lunch today. I was like, Jake would love this. Oh word. yeah, yeah. You should have texted me that while I was at work. I know. We should text Mitch. Say, pray tell, pray tell. I see. I can't do it. it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come yet. natural. Pray tell. What time you'll be arriving on yes. the pod? This is like when I was trying to teach you how to use finna, and it like wasn't That's coming right. out naturally. That's right. I like, it took me a long time. I was like, I'm finna teach you how to use this word. And you were like, I'm finna gonna go to the <laughs> yeah. store. I was like, not quite. Not quite there. You don't need gonna, because it kind of takes the place of it. Yeah, I couldn't get it. We're finna record this pod real soon. Finna record the pod. You finna start? Am I finna start? Finna start. No, I think you finna uh, start the episode like you always do. All right, finna three, <laughs> two, one.